Well, the title of this morning's message is Living from Victory. And the title's important. The way I worded it was intentional. It's not living towards victory. It's not living attempting victory, but it's living from victory. And the importance of that is, is we need to recognize that as Christians, we already are victorious and we're living from that position of victory as we walk out our everyday lives. And two weeks ago, I, I spoke about being more than forgiven and said that, that we're not just forgiven, but when, when we receive Jesus Christ, in, Christ inside of us, we are made brand new. We have a new life that's inside of us. It's so much more than being forgiven. We're actually made brand new. And as a result of that new life inside of us, we are given victory in this world. This is kind of the, the, the continuation, the natural continuation of that message a couple weeks ago. Because the reality is, is that we are victorious. But Pastor Wayne, what about when I, I don't feel victorious? Well, your feelings will lie to you. We're not victorious based on how we feel. We're not even victorious based on our, our, our accomplishments in the life that we're living. We're victorious because of who he is. And as a result, as we live that out, we, our life can reflect that victory in every single thing that we do. And the truth is, all too often, we get wrapped up in this focus on one day in heaven. Like, oh, we can't wait, Pastor Wayne, to end. one day in heaven. I'm going to worship like you never saw before. I'm going I'm, I'm to clap like I'm not embarrassed and lift my hands up. And, oh, when I get in heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give like you never saw before. One day when I'm in heaven, I'm, I'm never going to be afraid. I'm always going to be victorious. But the truth is, is in heaven, you're not going to have to deal with any of that stuff. There is no fear, there's no embarrassment, there's no opposition, so therefore there is no victory in heaven. Victory is for today, here and now. And we need to make sure that we're not focused on one day in heaven, but focused on here and now. Because one day in heaven is going to be a good thing. I can't wait till one day in heaven, I'll be honest with you. That's going to be a good day. You know, Dean Braxton, he... Jesus said, come back. I don't know if I'd have came back. Might have just stayed up there. But the truth is, is the one day we're going to be in heaven and we're going to be with our Lord and Savior, our King, and that's going to be awesome. But we need to realize that Jesus died, that we could have a little bit of heaven today on earth. Because when we go to heaven, there's no need for victory. I, I want to make that clear that so many things that we read about in the Bible If you think about it, there's no need for any of those things in in heaven. There's no need of of healing in heaven because you're already whole. There's no need of a lack of fear because all fear is gone. There's no need of, of, of being strong because there's nothing to push against you. There's no need for victory because there is no opposition in heaven. All those things are accomplished. So why do we hear so much about that in, in the in the scriptures if, if that's not going to be necessary? It's because it's for today. When we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were given victory in this world that we live in right now. And there are things that would have control and authority over you in this world, but Jesus gave us victory over those things. And those are things like envy, Lust, anxiety, sickness, any of those things that would try to influence and and take a hold of your life. Before Jesus, we were helpless to defend against them. 
And these things initially, before you got saved, they took your focus away from God because your focus was ultimately on yourself because that's what all those things point your focus to is yourself. And they stole your focus away from anything else except for what was happening to you. But when you got saved, your focus got put on God. But as you live your life, these things will continue to try to tear your focus away from him. They'll always try to pull your eyes in another direction. And we need to spend time looking at what God says about our position of victory. When those things begin clawing, pulling back at us, that we would remember that, no, we're victorious over those things. Rather than letting them pull our gaze away. Amen? 1 John 5, 4-5 through 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Our faith is our victory. And the truth is, is that we are soldiers in this world. We are currently at war. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against those who are riding in the street. It's not against those who are in the White House. It's against powers and principalities in this world. We are at war and we are soldiers. And this world is constantly trying to overcome us. It's constantly trying to defeat us and throw us down. But we are overcomers. For everyone who has been born of God, that's you who have been saved and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, has overcome the world. Does it say you will overcome the world? It doesn't. This is not a, a future tense. This is not something that will happen. It says that you have overcomes. It's, you actively are doing it. You are overcoming the world. And he says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ guarantees our victory in this world. And just by the nature of this verse, it should make you rejoice and leap for joy on the inside because we've won. I mean, it says that if you're born of God, you have overcome the world. That's, that's all there is to it. And our faith has guaranteed us the victory. It should make you rejoice. But it should also point out something else to you. It should point out that there will be opposition. Because you can't overcome something if there's nothing to overcome. The two kind of go together. So that means we are going to face opposition in this world, whether it be from those around us, from people around us, whether it be from our own internal dialogues. So many times the biggest fight that we have is with ourselves as we try to talk ourselves out of the blessing of God, either thinking that we're not worthy or worth it or struggling with the fact that Jesus will actually do what he says he's going to do. We, we argue with ourselves. And then we live in a world where we're constantly being bombarded with ungodly things. It blows me away now when I, I go through and, and I use uh, Google now, and it's just a, it's a Google thing, and it shows up little news stories that I like to follow, and, and uh, especially with all the election stuff, I've been following different stories that pop up. And even on something like Fox News, you'll, you'll go and you'll read your article, but then when you get to the bottom, you see all these ads for, for, for stuff that's going on around the world. And you'd be amazed at the pictures that they use to advertise these other articles. And you're like, are you kidding? Like, why can't I just look at what I came here to look for, read a simple article about what's going on in the world, and instead 
just in, 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 in advertising on a news site, you're seeing we're being bombarded with these images that are, that are ungodly. And you can't drive down the street without seeing some, some uh, billboard with some half-naked person on it. I mean, there's some billboards in town that are like, that's actually the point of the billboard. This person's not wearing anything. And that's what they're using to advertise towards you. We're constantly being bombarded by ungodly things day in and day out. Those are things that we have to overcome. The truth is, is that the world is evangelizing to us, maybe more so than we're evangelizing to the world. And the things of the world appeal to that old nature that used to be inside of us. And our old nature considers the commandments of God as burdensome because it's, it's focused on something else. And the good news is, is that when you get saved, the old man is dead and buried. That's the whole picture of baptism is that you died with Christ and that you're, you're born again. When you rise out of the water, you're being born again. You're brand new. The old person died and was buried and you're a brand new person. But the problem is, is we try to go walking dead on our old self every now and then. We try to, to raise them from the grave. Even though we're free and we're, 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 we're done with that, every now and then they try to rear their ugly head again. And if we're not diligent, if we're not focused on God and let these other things creep in, if we don't overcome the bombardment that we're facing every single day, that old person will try to, 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 try to, to come back into our lives. This is a, a story that I find that kind of describes what happens in the life of the Christian. This is what it says. Are you overcoming the world or are you being overcome by the world? There is no mistaking the fact that believers are really warriors in a world that is out to destroy them. Imagine, if you will, a Christian warrior in the heat of battle. The setting is in the believer's home. The believer is in his or her comfortable chair holding the television's remote control and flipping from channel to channel. And as the individual flips to the channels, the enemy soon appears. One channel, one profanity abounds, and God's name is cursed. On another channel, you see more skin than clothes. On one more channel, morality is marked or is mocked as if it were a vice or a sin. And on yet another channel, well, you don't want to know. And on and on the list could go, and the Christian believer begins to reel from the blows of this world. He is ever so close to giving up and giving in, and he is drowning in the sewage-filled waves. How can he save himself from this situation? What turns the tide during the believer's battle with the world? Faith and only faith will scatter the enemy. And with a mighty sweep of his hand, the Christian warrior presses the off button and thwarts another effort by the world to drag him down. Overcoming faith is believing that God is in control and then acting on it. That's just every day. And you don't have to be sitting in your chair and watching TV. And it requires faith to overcome these things as we live our lives. But the good news is, is that in Christ we have overcome. Amen? And in order to grow your faith in these areas, you have, areas, you have to spend time in the Word. Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And in Romans 12, 2 says that we must renew our minds. And that's how we do so. When we begin to read who we are in Christ and when our faith is, is built up inside of us, when these things come against us, we can finally push back against them. But if we're not in that position, then we're easily overcome by what the world has to offer. 
In John 15, 1 through 5, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you who are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the key right here, is abiding in Jesus. And to abide is simply to remain, to continue, to stay, to continue in a particular attitude, condition, or relationship. To abide in Jesus is just to stay in contact and in fellowship with Him, spending time in His Word. And the reality is, is I think that everybody in this room can say that we want to be successful. We want to be, uh, we want to produce for the kingdom of heaven. We want to see good fruit in our lives. And the only way to do that is to remain in Jesus. And the analogy of the vine and branches is, is, always, a, is always a fit one. We begin to see that, that God uses such simple things to describe what are the, the realities of the kingdom of heaven? And he talks about the, the vine and the branch, and it's such a fit analogy because it makes sense to us. How many of you guys have ever been out in your garden and you cut off a, a branch from your tree or even from a bush or anything and tossed it over to the side? What happens after a few days? It dies, it withers, it shrivels up, it becomes brittle, and ultimately it's, it becomes lifeless. And the exact same thing happens to us as branches that have been grafted in to this, to this tree, into Jesus. That if we remain in Him, life continues to pump through that branch. And it continues to sprout leaves and it continues to produce fruit. For the first time ever, a few months ago, I got to have a, a fig growing on a... Are those trees or bushes? It's a fig tree. It was just tiny. That's what, that's what happens to stuff in Arizona. It's tiny. But Norma's got a fig tree in her, in her backyard, and, and I got to have, uh, actually the only other fig I've ever had in my entire life was in a Newton. So, but I got to have <laughs> figs for the first time, and they were amazing, and they were, yeah, they were, and they were warm from the sun, which actually kind of made them great because they were like these, it was, an, it was just awesome having those. But the thing is, in order for the tree to produce figs, it has to remain attached to the, to the trunk of the tree. It has to be attached to the life-giving source in the roots that come out of it because immediately if you cut off one of those branches and throw it on the ground, it'll never bear fruit again. No more figs. No more figgy pudding. And the same is true for us. If we, if we get disconnected from God, we begin to have the life drain out of us. And I don't know about you, I'm sure you've probably felt that before in your life as you've pulled away, as the world's distracted you. When you go to work every day and, and all of a sudden it's been three days and you go, oh my goodness, I haven't even talked to God once in the last three days. I've been so busy with life, with my job, with my kids, with my grandkids, with the shopping and the laundry and all those things that we have to do. We get so wrapped up and all of a sudden we go, huh, I haven't even spoke to God in three days. What? And we don't even realize that we're so busy. But you begin to feel different. At least I do. I know when I've been away from God, for, I begin to feel different. I begin to feel disconnected. I begin to feel that life being sapped out of me. 
But if we remain in him, then we continue to produce fruit. We continue to have life flowing through us. And the good news is, unlike the tree that we cut off the, the, the fig tree, the branch cut off the fig tree, when we begin to spend time with him, we're right back in place. Whereas the, the tree that we, you know, in real life, when you cut off a branch, you can't just stick it back up there and hope it's going to be okay. But thank God with us we can. When we get reconnected with God, we begin to be reinvigorated again. Our faith is increasing. We begin to have victory in our life once again. I bet if you think about the times that you've had failure in your life, most of the time it's because for a brief moment of time, sometimes longer than brief, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. We get all of our nourishment and strength from Jesus Christ being in his branch. And apart from Christ, it says that we can do nothing. That we can do absolutely nothing apart from Christ. But the opposite is true, that in him we can do anything. Amen? In Christ, all things are possible. In Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So now the question, as we have to think about, is we understand that, that we are victorious in him. We understand that we have to abide in him. We understand these things, and but the reality is, is that I think as preachers sometimes, and I'm sure you guys in the congregation have felt from time to time, you go, well, that's a whole lot easier said than done. Anybody ever felt that way? It's really easy to say all this good stuff, and but the truth is, is sometimes it's, it's, it's easier said than done. And we can understand these things intellectually, but sometimes living them out becomes difficult. So the question is, well, how do we actually do this? And the good news is, is the answer is still found in Scripture. Over and over you begin to see how we can live out this life that God wants us to be, how we can be victorious. And the first thing that we have to do is work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. This has always been a weird verse for me because I, I never really understood what it was talking about. Because, you know, salvation is not in and of ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to make us more saved. And you're not only partially saved if you haven't worked it out. But what he's talking about when he says work out your salvation, well, Paul is not suggesting that you work for your salvation. What he means is that we should work to the completion of our salvation. In other words, that we need to continue to grow to the measure and the stature that is Jesus Christ. Because when you get saved in an instant, and a supernatural miracle takes place, you are made brand new. You are victorious. You are an overcomer. You are no longer have any sickness. You are healed. You are whole. You are forgiven. You are completely free. That's in an instance. That, that happens in the moment that you are saved. That miracle takes place, and you are everything that God intended you to be at that moment in time. You are perfect. You are holy in Him. The problem is, is that sometimes... It takes our body a little bit to catch up to that spiritual reality. It takes our lives a little bit to catch up. And so I've seen some people get saved, and it's like, bang, a, a, a light flipped, and the light switch flipped in them, and they're just living. I mean, like, it's amazing at what happened in their life. And I'm like, I wish that would have happened to me, because 
That's not, this has been a long, slow process of me working out my salvation as I begin to work and walk in the reality of what Christ has already done inside of me. You see, when Christ looks down, when, when God looks down at me, he sees Jesus. He sees perfect. But when my, when my wife looks at me, she still sees some of the flaws that are happening on this world, right? And the same is true for all of us. We're, we're working that out as we begin to, to walk out what has been, what is the reality that's inside of us. And that's what he means to work out your own salvation, is to, to remain obedient and to grow into the Christian men and women that you are called to be. And God will work inside of us if we will be obedient to him. But the problem is, is that when we act in unbelief and then in obedience, unobedience, we effectively push him away. I think the, the reality is, is that most disobedience is a result of an act of unbelief. We get caught up doing stupid stuff because we don't have a conviction that we are actually free. And it gets a hold of us. It begins to take our eyes off of him, like I said earlier, and our focus is put back on whatever is, is dealing with us. And what happens is when you begin to turn away from God, we effectively limit his ability to work in our lives. When you don't let God, when you, when you say, hold on a minute, give me a minute, God, let me deal with this. God is, is a perfect gentleman. He will step back for a moment. And you guys are saying, well, I've never actually said that to God. Not, not in words, but ultimately in our actions, that, that's what we're doing. There's been so many times when I've been tempted by something, and I hear God saying, no, you're free. You're, you know, step away. Go do something else. Turn off the TV, whatever it is. And I just, in a minute, God, let me, and, and we begin to, that's, that's, what our, that's what our actions say. That's how we're actually living, is we're saying, God, in a minute. And he's never going to force himself onto you. Those are the decisions that we have to make to remain obedient and exercise that faith that, no, we are free. We are forgiven. We are victorious. We all are whole. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. And instead of pushing away and, and being a disobedient, acting in unbelief, which ultimately that's all that is, is acting in unbelief and limiting God's work in our life, we just continue to trust in him and watch what he will do in our lives. And when we work out our own salvation, we live it to the fullest. And we allow God to work in us. And then we recognize what God has for us. And we can follow his command and be effective in the kingdom of heaven. And when God works through you, and when you will let God work through you, you cannot help but be successful. When your eyes are on him and he's working in you, you cannot help but be successful. And I don't mean that, like, as a feel-good saying. I literally believe that if your eyes are on him and he is working through you, you cannot be unsuccessful. You cannot fail. Our failures and our trip-ups and our falls come when we take our eyes off Jesus, even for a brief moment. But the problem is the world is always going to try to make you take your eyes off Jesus. That's why James said in 1.12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's one of the things that we have to do if we want to live out this victory, is we have to remain steadfast under trial. And that can be a difficult thing to do. 
It can be very difficult when everything is pressing against you and distracting you and fighting you to remain steadfast. Sometimes it just feels like it would be easier to give up. Anybody else ever felt like that? Sometimes it's hard. I bet you can ask any single mom if they ever felt like giving up at some point. And I guarantee you that every single one of them would say, there's been times I felt like giving up. You can ask any I remember when I first met Michelle, there were so many, she, was, she had two little girls and she was a single mom to them and dad was out of the picture and she just was overwhelmed. And in some areas, it was just easier to give up and quit fighting than to keep, because there was just so much going on. And you see this attitude in the world, too, in in regards to following God. Have you ever heard somebody say that they're going to hell anyway, so they just might as well do whatever they want on earth right now? It's because they've already given up. They've already given up to trying to live a godly life. They figure that they've they've already failed, they've already messed up. And what they begin to do is is they begin to rationalize in their mind that hell's going to be some big giant party. And they try to they, they try to make themselves feel that oh, you know, it's it, it's going to be better than it really is. And they begin to rationalize in their mind. Figure they're not going to make it, might as well do what we want now and and if we can just convince ourselves it's going to be one giant party when we die and go to hell anyway, then then everything's going to be fine. But they're going to have another another thing coming, I believe. One, one, one day if they don't change that too. And the truth is, it's impossible to be steadfast without Jesus. You need His strength. You need Him working with you and inside of you to remain steadfast. And the, the truth is, is, for believers, when you get saved, life's not going to be perfect from here on out. It's not all lollipops and gumdrops. And it's, life is tough. And some stuff, like you've heard me say many a times, you're going to actually deal with stuff that you never would have dealt with if, if you weren't saved. But I thank God that no matter what you deal with, you will have the ability and strength to get through it if you'll remain steadfast, if you'll remain with Him. We are guaranteed victory, the crown of life, if we soldier on and press on. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. Paul dealt with some of the most horrific persecution and opposition that you can ever imagine, but he remained steadfast. Even with most of his Christian life being spent in prison, he remained steadfast. And the truth is, is that God will guide your steps. If you will keep your trust in Him. In Psalms 37, 23 through 24, it says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in His way. So when we delight in God's way, our steps are established by Him. And then it says, Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Isn't that good news? That's great. That, that means that, that we're going we're gonna to walk this life Stuff's going to come against us, right? Because we can't overcome if there's nothing to overcome. And, and we're going to be bombarded. 
But as long as we keep our eyes on Him, as long as we delight in His ways, our steps are established. Funny thing is, it doesn't say you won't fall, but it says, though we fall, even if you fall, if your steps are established by the Lord, He's not going to let you fall down and break your neck. He's not going to make it where you can never get back up. It's a stumble. You fall down. You're going to do one of those. You ever seen one of them people that, that fall and then they just do a little dance move on the floor and get back up and keep going? That's what it looks like. You don't even get embarrassed. You just, you just play it off like nothing ever happened because God is with you. God is always with us and he always guides our steps. And if we'll just listen, he'll make our path known to us. In Psalm 42, it says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Psalms 25, 12 says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he should choose. But not only that, God delights in us. That's the thing that always finds I find it. God, he delights and he loves us. We were created for his good pleasure, and, and he, he, he's, a, he's enamored over us. In Psalm 147, 11, it says, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, and those who hope in his steadfast love. If we keep our eyes on him, if we walk this path that we're called to walk, even if we stumble, we'll get back up. He'll make sure that we never fall so bad that we're hurt irre- irre- irreparably that we're not going to be able to make it out. God is like a proud father who walks behind his son, holding his hand, guiding his path. And if the son falls, the father makes sure he does not let him smash his head against the coffee table. But he does let him learn the lesson. The truth is is that failure is only final if we don't get back up. Temporary setback does not mean the enemy has been victorious in your life. It's, it's what it is. It's temporary. We get back up. Temporary setbacks do not nullify your victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A temporary setback, a temporary fall, does not mean that you're not victorious. Amen. If you will just get back up. Amen. We looked at this, this verse in the introduction a couple weeks ago, and... and uh, that one about we're being more than forgiven. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I want to spend some more time looking at it today when we're talking about victory. In Jude one twenty four through 25, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. This verse is one I always read, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, because if he's able to keep me from stumbling, why do I keep stumbling? And I began to realize that the problem with this is not God, but it's me. You see, I I believe, and, and some people will take me to task over this, but I believe that as a Christian, you can live your life without ever sinning again. I believe it with all my heart. The scripture supports it. It says he is able to keep me from stumbling. As a Christian, you can live the rest of your life without sinning. It is perfectly possible if we will keep our eyes on him. Because you you can't sin if your eyes are on God. 
you can't. We actually have to look away for a moment. And that's how he's able to keep it. If our eyes are on him, we will not stumble. But for a moment, we took, we, we look away, we turn our back. We kind of play the, the kid trick, like, you know, like if I can't see you, you can't see me. And that's what happens. But I believe that we can live, if we would just keep our eyes focused fully on him, we would never sin again. How could we? How could you sin when your eyes are focused on, the, on Jesus Christ, the creator of everything, the one who gave his life for you? That's something you can try. If you ever get in a pickle where temptation is bothering you, begin to sing praise songs to God. You'll, you'll notice as you begin to sing to him, it won't take very long before you're not even thinking about the old thing that you were thinking about. It'll get you out of that mess. I really don't like it when people speak like sinning is inevitable. I hate it when it's, it's almost like a, a, a guaranteed thing that you're going to sin as a Christian because I don't believe it has to be. I'm also not naive. I recognize that many of us still will because we don't live our lives out perfectly and there's moments we take our eyes from God. And even Paul said, I have not obtained it yet. Paul was still working out his salvation just like we are working out ours. But you know, the thing is that if you will continue to improve, if every day it gets a little bit better, it's not the failures if you just get back up. And if every day is a little bit better, you're living out the life that God has, has, has claimed for you in victory over all of these things. If we keep our eyes firmly planted on Him, I believe we will not sin. Because it's impossible to sin with your eyes on Jesus. In Romans 8, 31 through 34 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. It's even more great news. We find out that we're victorious, and then we find out that Jesus is at our side the entire way. And he says, if God's on your side, then what can come against you? The truth is, is that everything that comes against you in your life has already been declared to be defeated. It's already been declared powerless in your life. And the only time those things have power in our lives is when we give them power in our lives. Because who can come against you? Who can bring a charge against you? Who can do any of those things against you if God is with you? I want you to know that when you're facing any turmoil, any, anything that's coming up against you in your life, you already are victorious. It's not a, a question of I might be, you are victorious. And sometimes we slip and sometimes we fall, but like I said, you falling does not nullify your victory in whatever the areas you're facing. Get back up. The truth is, is, is not all wars are won in a single battle. Sometimes it takes working through it, working out your salvation, coming to the realization that, yes, I am free in Jesus. Yes, I am victorious. And no, devil, you can't bring a charge against me. No, you can't, you can't try to make me feel guilty for an area where I've fallen. 
because he's already paid the price for me. He died for me. And not only that, he rose again and he intercedes for us. Even when we fall, even when we fail, after we've been saved, Jesus is still there interceding for us. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Our victory and our triumph isn't in and of ourselves, but it's in Jesus Christ. And He is always leading us in a triumphal, triumphal, in a triumphal procession. He's always leading us in victory. That's the other word we can use there. It's, it's, it's a triumphant procession. It's a parade. It's a, you, know, you, don't, you have a procession, you have a parade after something's been done. You don't have a victory parade before you have the victory, right? But he's already leading us in that triumphant procession because we are already victorious. In Christ, there is no defeat and there is no failure. The operative word here is always. Christ always, not usually, not sometimes, not even most of the time, but he always leads us in victory. Amen? And in Micah 7, 8, Micah says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall, I shall rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Like I said, falling does not mean failure. Failure only occurs when you don't get up. And I love the attitude of Micah because he recognized that a stumble wasn't a failure. He says, don't rejoice over me, O my enemy, when I fall. This isn't defeat. This isn't permanent. Don't rejoice over me when I mess up. Because I shall rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. That's something else you can remember when you're sitting in those moments of darkness. The Lord is your, is your lighthouse to get out of wherever you've got yourself stuck in. In this case, go towards the light. And he'll, he'll get you out of whatever mess that you're in. And there is a difference between falling and giving up. There's a difference between a temporary lapse of judgment and handing back your salvation. But then the next question that's always asked, what if I keep falling? Get back up. You guys ever watched Robin Hood with, with Kevin Costner? Have you ever seen that Robin Hood with Kevin Costner? Do you remember when he's fighting little John with the, with the, the what are those called? The staffs or the big sticks, and we have Morgan Freeman, who's the, the Muslim guy, and they're fighting, and Kevin's just getting his butt kicked. And Kevin looks at Morgan Freeman, and he says, well, you got any advice? And he says, get back up, move faster. That was the advice. Get back up and move faster. That's the advice that we can take in our walk as Christians as well. I got knocked down again, Pastor. What should I do? Get back up, move faster. Run towards the Lord. And every time you fall, just get back up and run towards the Lord. In Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. They both fall, but the righteous man gets back up. And it says seven times. 
And it doesn't mean that's your limit. What he's trying to say is, if the righteous man falls, he gets back up. It doesn't matter how many times. You get back up. Falling is not failure if you don't get back up. And if we witness other people falling, we're not to ostracize them. Rather, we need to help them, to encourage them in the Lord. To say, get back up, move faster. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what the number one key to, to, to realizing victory in your life is? The number one key is to, to recognize that it's not actually you who live at all, but it's Jesus who lives inside of you. Jesus lives inside of you. And let me tell you a little something about Jesus' life that you already know. Jesus lived as a man for 33 years. The scripture says that he faced every temptation. He faced the same temptation. He faced all temptation that man faces. And the good news is, is you don't face every temptation that man faces. There's a subset of temptation that you face. But he faced it all. And he lived without sin. He said he faced temptation that was common to man. He, he lived without sin. And he lives inside of you. Therefore, if he lived his entire life without sin, and it's him who lives through you now, that means that you can live your life the same way. That you have his victorious life inside of you living through you. Well, how do I do that? By faith. I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. We trust that it's Him who's inside of us that is doing His good work inside of us, who's made us brand new. And we begin to live that out. If you have trouble getting a hold of that, and you're like, it's, it's all well and good, Pastor Wayne. I see it on paper, but it's not resonating. Begin to spend time in the Word and see what the Bible says about you. Your faith will increase. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Spend time in the word, reading what he says about you if you want your faith in an area to grow. If you're struggling in a certain area, find every scripture that you can about that certain area and read it to yourself every single day and watch your faith grow in that area of your life and watch Christ begin to live out inside of you because your faith is in him. We are from God and he lives inside of us and as a result, We have overcome every spirit that does not confess Jesus as Lord. We have overcome everything in this world. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When you're struggling with him, just begin to repeat that verse to yourself. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. As he begins to bombard you with temptations and trying to get you to do these things or trying to preoccupy you with, with other stuff and distract you between spending time with him, say, no, greater than he that is in me than he that is in this world. No matter what the world throws at you, greater is he that is in you than is in this world. And we're in here today in Romans 8, 37 through 39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And all these things that he's talking about, that's in Romans 8.35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Basically, any type of trial or tribulation in this world is encompassed in those categories. So will any of those things separate us from the love of God? But he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We didn't just barely squeak by. We are 100% victorious in all areas that try to separate us from the love of God that come against us. And because of Christ, we are completely victorious by faith in him. And then on top of that, there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Isn't that good news? So this morning, I would encourage you that when you're struggling, when you're facing stuff that's coming against you, that's trying to distract you from Jesus, when it's trying to pull your eyes away, remember that you are victorious and step out in faith and live Christ's life inside of you. And if, you're, if you stumble, if you fail, don't be discouraged, but keep getting back up. Because the truth is, is that, that you are victorious in him. A temporary setback does not nullify the truth of the word of God. Amen. And God says you're victorious. Amen? Amen. Let's go and stand to our feet.